And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, Doug Walker. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> this is the big one. <laughs> this uh, is the one that we've been building up to. The uh, It's so big, we're doing a two-parter. <laughs> we are doing a two-parter. It, uh, it is Doug Walker's Fitzcarraldo. It is his Apocalypse Now. It is his... I, I would call it The Last Temptation of the Nostalgia Critic. Yeah, it is, it is his monumental testament to his own hubris that basically kills his entire career. It's his, in a weird way, it might be his Gremlins but too. Did if he Gremlins... know, or was this him committing suicide? Like... <laughs> This this do, this movie does feel like suicidal, but we'll, 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 before we jump in, okay, so folks, we're back at Get Cynical, and we took that little detour last week to talk about one of his reviews, but we're back on the anniversary movies, and this is the infamous one, the one that is known for being longer than seven samurai, and considered to be like one of the most evil and reviled pieces of art, if you want to call it that, ever made. It, it, so, it, it, it's so bad. Well- well, actually, hi, uh, it's me, Andy, from those good old-fashioned values. Yes. I'm on here. Yes, I, welcome. I was, uh, I was, I was a little sad because I wanted to do these as part of that show. I didn't realize Spencer was going to do his own thing for these critic movies, so he let me pick. He let me decide, and I was like, I'm going to do Tavolte Flea because if you're wow. going to talk about Doug, yeah, you, like this way, I can say everything that I want to say about the nostalgia critic and Doug Walker as a human being. Like I. <laughs> I it really is all encompassed in this one, yeah. Yeah, yeah this is a this is a culminating work. <laughs> this is really, it really is. But before we get in, we'll do the we'll do the classic prompt. Andy, what's your history with uh with Doug? What's your history? Uh, see, I was actually wondering if you could extend it just just a little bit so I could um also talk about my feelings about Kikassian Suburbanites very quickly. It's just gonna be like a few senses. But okay, uh, go ahead. my history with Doug is basically the same as you, Spencer, although a bit different. So when I was 10, the first, like, angry online critic that I got into was the Irate Gamer. Yes! Uh, <laughs> yes! Yeah. Fuck, that is awesome! I love that so much. God, yeah. yes! No, no, it's... it's. <laughs> and then when I was, like, like, 11 or 12, like, okay, around, like, winter 2009, I started watching games and stuff, and I'm like, oh, shit, this is so much better. Like, you two weren't big into James. I found James, like, late 2009, and I was like, oh, my God, this guy is funny. And I, and going back, I've actually gone back and watched some stuff recently, and it's like, for the time, he's still, like, the best. He's still yeah. the king. Oh, absolutely. We talk about that. We talk about how he is, like, for whatever his problems, he has, like, mountains of charisma that all of these people combined don't have. And he also, have. like, if you watch any of, like, the, the videos he did on, like, like his self and, like, well featurettes or whatever about like stuff it's clear that like he has a deep love for movies and has been basically making home movies since he was like could hold a camera yeah but anyway um i found doug through the fight crossover and i was like doug's epic uh i watched some of the other posts on that site not super regularly i think i watched some of Lindsay. i, I tried some of spoonie and linkara there were other people on that site that I liked, but Doug was really the the main one that I was into, mm. and I loved him, of course. I think I liked James more, but Doug was, like, I, I was a nostalgia critic fan, because uh, as Spencer described him, the reason why Doug continues to be famous is that there is an always going to be a new supply of 12-year-olds with internet access. <laughs> God. Yeah, it's true, though. It's, it's, yeah. that, th those are the people who think Doug's smart. Imagine, imagine the alternate universe where Doug, like, premieres now and he's a Minecraft streamer. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's a good thing Doug, Doug doesn't like video games. But anyway, um, <laughs> the only one of these movies I, I, I watched 
when I actually liked Doug was Kickassia. I remember watching it as it premiered and I was like, you know what? I mean, this is kind of cool. They went out to the desert and shot this thing. Like 12 year old me was like, this is kind of impressive. And then like, I, I didn't watch any of the other movies. But I watched the, the setup till it's canceling. Uh, I watched Doug a little bit after he came back for like the first two seasons. But by like 2014, 2015, I was, I was done with Nostalgia Critic. And then that document happened. And it's like, holy shit. Holy shit. And then everyone got obsessed with these movies. And I've, and I've seen them all since. Um, <laughs> on, uh, on our good friend Rocky's uh, Kimono Friend Zone stream, they, uh, they beat us to the punch there and streamed them. And <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I watched those before he did those streams to the record. But yeah, no, they're... <sighs> So, so quick thoughts. Uh, Kickassie is actually my favorite because it is so low rent that it is kind of hysterical. Like, it's just like you guys really went out to the desert to film this. To, to yeah. Fucking. And also, it has my favorite scene in any of these movies. I love how fucking. You didn't mention it, but the, the spider's guy effect and how bad it is. And the scene where it floats out of the room. I fucking. But yeah, no, like Kikassia is fun because it's it's just like it's the only one I can I can say is like a guilty pleasure because I do enjoy it just because it's it's only 90 minutes and like it's so low rent that I can just be like, all right, this is kind of fun. Suburban Nights is more competent, therefore it's more boring. That's, yeah, that's it, really, is, it is that's a little bit more boring. True, yeah. It, it, yeah, it does have the, the playground scene where Doug tried to get ex- direct extras. That's still one of the funniest things. Just yeah. just imagine you're going on a walk in a park and this balding lunatic dressed like Link is just like, hey, can you be in my be in my home movie? Can you be in like my band of 38-year-olds dressed like Mewtwo? Can you act in this project for us? Even though you're just trying to walk to McDonald's. I'll never forget how terrified that child looked in that scene. <laughs> Haunts it's me. so bad uh but like suburban nights is still a million times better than this this is the worst one like no question watching this film is pain and spencer i think we need to ask this now is this the worst thing we've record- watched for a podcast uh honestly i don't think it is i it's up there though it, it's yeah, it's up there i think i'll say this it is the worst movie i've watched for a podcast I, I had to watch Moulin Rouge, and I think I hated Moulin Rouge. You know what? I, I was about to say I couldn't think of anything else, but then you reminded me we did watch Moulin Rouge last time. But I, I, yeah. I will say, I, I know you're you're kind of going in segments, but I, I my, my opinion on this movie has changed a little bit. I used to be one of those guys who was like, To Boldly Flee is actually the worst movie of all time. It is a zero out of ten. It is like nothing can ever reach it. What, doing this podcast made me go, no, there's stuff as bad at this. But the reason why... It's it will always be the default worst movie of all time is because as as you can see on this podcast, there is a story behind the making of this movie. There yeah. are no other things on the internet quite like these movies. Uh, yeah, N- knowing the production of this movie does make it feel like sinister. Like it goes from like this really bad, cringy thing to something that feels vaguely evil. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because yeah. these people had to work eighteen hour days for a lunatic to make a finale to his series. And that was also supposed to be the finale to the site that he didn't tell me. We're saving the production for part two, but I just had to get that out there. It's going to be really hard not to reference that. Yes, sir. What were you going to say? I, I, no, I was just going to say, yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it is going to be hard not to talk about how this movie was made just because it, it is so shocking and, and, and horrifying 
really. Um, but there's still consider. plenty of shocking and horror things to talk about the movie itself. No doubt. It's yeah. three and a half fucking hours long. There's plenty to talk about. Yeah, it's, it's three and a half fucking hours. That's insane. But, okay, for starters, I'm going to get this out of the way since I guess I, I want to lead in with this. Since I watched this last night and this morning and I... I was fully prepared, like, this is just going to be the absolute worst thing I've ever seen in my life. It was kind of a letdown because Kikassia and Suburban Nights are really bad comedy films. And I guess whatever my personal biases are, bad comedy is, like, the worst thing in the world to me. Mm. Um, That's so fair. Those those movies hurt to sit through. Those were, like, really, really excruciating experiences. This wasn't, but that doesn't mean it was better those movies, I was just irritated the whole time. I didn't feel like I was actually watching a movie when I watched this. I felt like I was going schizophrenic. You, you can you can watch this movie and tell that Doug and Rob are putting their fucking heart into every single scene, and it's and the part of yeah. the reason why this movie is so bad is because literally none of it works. Yes, Esther, what what were you gonna say about this? Uh, this it, film? I mean, it is truly it's it's like nothing else, right? Like. I think the thing that strikes me the most about it is that there are so many moments where, you know, we talk about how Doug has his epic voice, <laughs> just this voice he slips into when he's being epic. There are yeah. so many moments in this film where it's like he slips into this actor voice and it's like, it's like he thinks he's actually trying and he's actually like has pathos and he's like emoting yeah. and like all right now i'm actually you know we're putting the goofs aside for a second i'm gonna be a serious actor and it's hysterical every time he wanted this to be the finale to the past four he years thought of people cared about the narrative of this character he was going to be done with the nostalgia critic he was gonna do his shitty skits for the rest of the internet history it was, it's this, unreal this was it it's it's unreal <laughs> he roped 25 <laughs> i was about to say innocent people some of them are not innocent no 25 people into making this fucking you know peon to his life's work uh where he was going to retire this character once and for all and not just his character but like the the entire their entire profession (laughs) so movies about how internet criticism is like oh it's this our time is ending and it's time to move on it's like these people still have to make money it's their job yeah i want to say why this movie isn't as painful for me i think is because it is a bad this is yeah. the first movie where they actually try to be dramatic. They tried a little and, bit in some of Suburban Nights. But just at the end, really, like most of this is like, most of this is actually surprisingly dramatic. And I just think that bad drama or sci-fi, I I have a lot yeah. more patience That's for fair. than bad riffing and I, comedy. I, there is a specific cr- type of cringe uh, that whenever I see it, I just need to be like, I just need to, I need to leave. I need to fucking leave now. And this movie doesn't trigger that as much, although there are a lot of uncomfortable feelings this movie triggers. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I guess before we talk about the story, we have to talk about, you know, there's sort of a a little bit of a shakeup in the cast. Not as much as there was between the last two movies, but there's some new faces and um, new faces and some people not returning. And, And some people who returned who were not on the site when this movie released. Yeah, I guess we got to talk about the big one, Spoonie. Who and Mati. Est- and Mati. But uh, Spoonie's the big one. Esther gave us some Spoonie lore in the Suburban Nights episode. If you haven't listened to that, go and listen. Um, In 20... This was released in 20... 
2012, wasn't yes. it? Yeah, 2012. Um, in 2012, Booney had a bit of a breakdown, and on Twitter, like, he made a really off-color joke to uh, Jacob, who's one of the new people out here, Jacob Chapman, uh, who's as a Radical Edward here, and uh, made, like, an off-color, you know, a rape joke, basically. And uh, Lupa, who we've talked about before, Lupa was very uncomfortable with it and, like, publicly took him to task for it. He blew up. It turned into this whole, like, turf war. People started, like, attacking Lupa for, you know, trying to whatever the 2012 version of cancel him is. And, well, the two, like, later have both said that they've reconciled uh, and said that, like, it, you know, it's just kind of a slip-up. Spoonie's complete meltdown permanently stained his brand, and he agreed to leave the site just before to boldly flee came out and this is sort of the real the beginning of his big downward spiral also worth noting uh spoonie plays three named yeah. characters he's in this in movie a lot he plays yeah more characters than anyone but doug i think yeah uh yeah. guess how by the way do you know how many uh named characters doug plays oh, in this god movie? i couldn't even begin i think it's six it's four named <laughs> six unnamed if you count them <laughs> christ this motherfucker <laughs> thought he was Orson Welles. God. Yeah. Wow, that's... Fucked up. Kubrickian, almost. <laughs> he, um... Oh, boy. So, change-ups. Um, I mentioned Jacob. Jacob is one of the new faces here. Jacob, who, since... Uh, after the movie came out, uh, transitioned, is a trans man. He is in this movie, and... I don't know if you all agree, but he is the fucking beacon of light in this movie. He has movie. so much energy, and it's so funny because he is... like, <laughs> this is his first appearance in one of these, right? And he's like the—it's like he's the only one who hasn't been fucking broken. No, he, no, they—he was—he was the other Harry Potter to film brain in the last one. No, he wasn't. That's Kinley. That's Kinley. Yeah, That's yeah, Kinley. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so okay. yeah, but it... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the other it's the other person on. Yeah, and I gotta say, by the way, the presence of two pre-transition trans people in this film really contributes to the like dark energy around it. <laughs> yeah, but no, Jacob plays Radical Edward, and Jacob has so much energy, and is so like perfectly leaning in. It's a really good impression of Radical Edward, and he is having a ton of fun with it. I mean, maybe he wasn't, but that does not come across in the performance. He is fully leaning into this uh, impression, and... I'm not a big fan of the Ed, but I understand, like, because they are trying. Yeah. He is fully, uh, he is fully committed, and, I don't know, there's sort of like a sincerity to yeah, what I he's doing that. that but whenever they're on screen i feel like i'm trapped in an anime club a little bit <laughs> that's true um, that's not untrue <laughs> that's fair not untrue yeah no not, not yeah untrue. so like it's it's but i at least res- can say i respect their passion uh they're they are trying yeah. more than a lot of people in this uh to be fair actually let me i'm gonna state that back a little bit i don't want to insult anyone who didn't try <laughs> because you are into boldly flay <laughs> you're entirely justified you shout are. out to phalus for being tired in every fucking scene in this movie <laughs> being visibly exhausted yeah phalus we'll, we'll get to him later but phalus after being quite bad in suburban nights is like back to being one of my favorite parts of these movies just because of how visibly pissed <laughs> off he is the entire time <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for the the he is just treating this entire operation with contempt, and it is so I, I incredible. Think they, you mentioned that they mentioned in the document. This was the breaking point where everyone realized, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. We have signed our careers to a madman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
We'll talk about it later, but Phelous went through, like, Shelley Duvall in The Shining level hell making this movie. Yeah, we'll talk about it in the next it, part. It's, um. it's visible. But he's very enjoyable here. I don't know if you'd agree, Esther, since we both hated him so much. But he he's just, like, dripping contempt this entire time. Yeah, I time. did get a kick out of how much he could. Almost sort of the way that Lindsay in the earlier ones very clearly didn't want to be here. It's the exact same thing. Just absolute abject misery yeah. on his face, um, and we'll, it's it's so like we'll across, get to Lindsay in <laughs> across this movie. the cast. Even like you know, one of the funniest things to me is Angry Joe and how this is the lowest energy Angry Joe I have ever seen in my entire life. Well, he's also yeah, barely, he's barely in it. He's giving like ten percent effort. It's it's <laughs> bizarre. It's uncanny. <laughs> he's on it's medicated on Joe this time. It's crazy. <laughs> Sarah Cool Joe. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't hate so, Angry Joe because a lot of people I've watched this movie with fucking despise Angry Joe. I watched Angry Joe a little bit just because, like, uh, he was like a dumb YouTube reviewer, but I, I watched some of his game reviews. But like, yeah, no, and this I I do appreciate the the more toned down. Also, uh, one of the things you didn't mention about Angry Joe is that unlike everyone else in this movie. Like, you mentioned that everyone else is, like, a hot piece, like, a piece of shit who thinks they're, like, hot shit and cool and smart. Angry Joe is just genuinely, like, a dumb guy. Like, he is, he is a guy. Oh, he is. Yeah, for sure. Have, have you ever seen it's... one of his YouTube videos where he's like, I don't get why the critics didn't like the DC blockbuster movie. Suicide Squad was great. Well, we're not... We're All not right. getting into that here, but I, I I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. We're yeah. not doing Snyder. No, no, but I, I, I just mean in general. He's, he's just like, he is, he is a child. He is like a childlike energy and it's, <laughs> it's infectious. Yeah. No, um, other new names. Uh, there's Chad Rocco, who I thought was Ben's eye for like half the movie. <laughs> I and did then too. I had to look him up. Yeah, I was just like, damn, Ben's eye lost the accent. <laughs> and, then, and then it's just it's a guy named Chad Rocco. I'm not going to talk about him since I, I don't know what he is or what he does. And then there's one more new face here. And he is he is a strange figure. And it is Sad Panda. <laughs> okay. No, that's not the name of that hentai site. I would like to say, I'm pretty sure that hentai site existed in 2012 just on yeah i he, he is he, i think his name is like zay sad panda and he is this very oh, european yeah. guy oh. who who talks like talks like christopher walken with a mouthful of marbles he talks like our who, swedish friends let's be honest here yeah he talks like if our swedish friend like didn't know how to read so <laughs> <laughs> he's like reading all of his lines like he just discovered like what words were two weeks ago it's like the most bizarre and alien performance and i can't but to be fair i didn't hate him oh i didn't hate him i he he defies hatred like you you can't <laughs> You can't get mad at someone who feels like they were beamed in from a different world on this movie. He also has like two bits in this movie. He's one of the like third of the cast that just like they give these bizarre endless subplots to most of the cast that don't go anywhere. Yeah. But then the third of them just kind of like hang out to do two gags and then disappear for most of the runtime. Because there are 15 million people on this site and you got to get as many of them in as possible. Yeah. Uh, now, Spencer, he's technically not a new guy. But there is someone who you haven't really gotten a good opportunity to talk about before, who is in a lot of this movie, and we need to talk about him. 
Is it Bennett the Sage who shout out to no, you ta- shout out to Esther's no. girlfriend who said that Bennett the Sage sounds like the name of like a conscious rapper from the '90s who's yes. just actually just very no, misogynist. No, no, yes. Bennett Bennett is not who I'm, I'm targeting. My, I'm targeting my anger at Rob Walker, who oh, in God, the opening yeah. credits is is the guy who this movie is a concept by Rob Walker. Yeah, we need to Rob. <laughs> He's such a piece of shit. I fucking hate Rob. He has gone almost completely unnamed, and that is a shame because fuck Rob Walker. Like, uh, I I want to say Rob Walker. He and Doug. We'll talk about it in the next episode. But the two of them sort of had like a Tony K and Edward Norton American History X thing going on here. And <laughs> Rob is, I'm assuming, Edward Norton because that like, <laughs> that is a very good comparison because he is just an angry, bitter man. Yeah, um, and Rob. They kept going back and forth, and Rob's dodged most of our discussion because he's sort of a behind-the-scenes figure, like Mike Ellis he's or not Mike in Michelle. This movie. No, he he is very, very in this movie. Um, and he he got more in front of the camera after this when Nostalgia Critic came back. Yeah, because they lost all the people because no one wanted to show up for these things anymore. Yeah, and Rob. To be clear, Rob. Everything we've read about it suggests that Doug is just, like, a delusional narcissist who, like, had these dreams of being, like, a big internet personality. And when it came true, he just sort of got high on his own supply. Whereas Rob is, like, a genuinely evil person who ran this company like a tyrant and fired a bunch of people over petty bullshit. Which, there's a line about the nostalgia critic firing people, like, ten minutes in, and it is bleak uh but rob is like exceptionally cruel to the staff he in the behind the scenes episode you can talk about how like he he was like stanley kubrick level insane to members of the cast here well i mean you you mentioned it earlier in the kickassia review but like he got into a fight with doug and wouldn't speak for him for the rest of the fucking shooting like this guy, like oh yeah, it's 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 incredible. Also, yeah. not a good Palpatine impression. Let's just get that out of it's the way. It's so well. bad, and he yeah, does it. No. He's in so much of this fucking movie. So this movie is also four movies. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you realize that, <laughs> but it's four movies. No, I, I I feel like the moment where I felt like I was fully having a psychotic episode was when the whole like Star Wars plot started like two hours into the movie like there's an extended <laughs> that's one of them there's an extended parody of revenge of the sith and then return of the jedi in this involving uh and, and a little bit of empire too. a little bit of empire my three favorite of the george lucas ones of course are the ones that get a lot of screen time in here and no the the funny thing about it is like they have this arc with the cinema snob and they do all three of these movies and it like kicks off in proper an hour and 45 into this movie like a whole regular movie has passed yeah. by the time it starts it is maddening my favorite thing about the um about the <laughs> star wars stuff is that after a while they just like the whole thing about it is they're just taking lines from like Palpatine scenes and like slightly rewrite rewriting them in the way that Doug always does yeah. but by the end of it it's just like they just do the end of Return of the Jedi. They barely change any yeah, I of know. the words. I think, I think Quentin reviews, uh, you know, he, he did a review of this movie and I think he sums it up best. It's just Star Wars is just happening in, in, in this movie. Like, it, yeah. like it's, yeah. the, it the events of Star Wars are just happening. It's not a parody. It's not satire. <laughs> they just decided to do Star Wars. Uh, but we need to talk about the opening, the first movie, which is the opening 40 minutes of <laughs> Doug thinks Sopa exists because of him. Yes! Uh, yes! <laughs> okay, yeah. 
Okay, so uh, the broad. We're going to jump all. We're going to jump all over the place talking about the plot of this movie since it is, it is like Ulysses, but for people who don't know skincare and uh, (laughs) it. Uh, but the like broad strokes of this movie is that Doug gets placed under house arrest by the government, and then he like discovers that there's this massive wormhole out in the far reaches of the concept by Rod Walker. Of the solar system, and it, he he and the crew all get in his house, and they transform the house into a spaceship, and they go out to find this wormhole while they have to deal with, like, the U.S. government and various forces, including Zod from Superman 2 and Turl from Battlefield Earth, like, are fighting them, and also this figure called the executor which is just palpatine who is like trying to and these these government figures are basically trying to uh change the internet so copyright law gets more strict and severe and content creators that i hate that phrase content creators but content creators <laughs> no, that's what who, these people are you know yeah um content demons like these people <laughs> have to you know they have to use like copyrighted media basically in what they do you know they're film critics they're music critics and they have to use this copyrighted media and plot of this movie is like they're trying to shut all these critics down because they criticize this stuff and use copyrighted media important historical note as to why this is the plot of the movie in 2012 i don't know if you all remember this uh, it was a huge deal Mm -hmm. it was a huge fucking deal but in 2012, uh, a piece of legislation came up called uh, SOPA and PIPA. SOPA and PIPA were these two acts that were in Congress uh, that that were... The details are kind of fuzzy at this point, but they were really, really poorly defined and draconian copyright laws. Yeah, basically it was, as far as I remember it, uh, a complete expansion, nightmarish expansion of current, like, DMCA takedown policy by corporations of just being like, we can just take down your site at all. Yeah. If, if stuff we don't like is on it. Yeah, it, it was like a really broad expansion of like anti-piracy stuff. And it, it was, we're going to clown on them for making such a big deal out of it. But to be fair, this legislation and basically everything else that's popped up in its wake is really, really bad and dangerous yes, for free, yeah, free exchange of uh, information. But yeah, that also brings up the other side of the double-edged sword, which is one, Doug has no idea how U.S. copyright law works. <laughs> no idea no. whatsoever. None. Okay, like I, I need to, I need to say this. I don't believe in copyright. Period. I think yeah, it's no, bad. That's fair. I don't believe in like inter- intellectual property laws. Period. I, I think they are both don't do anything to protect creatives, and I think they're harmful to the free exchange of ideas and creativity. They are anti-life, but. If we are going on copyright law as it exists, what Doug does is not fair use. It is not fair use at all. Fair use is adding like, okay, so what Doug says is he's parodying it. So it's automatically fair use. You need to add significant commentary and not have it be. You can't just have two thirds of your review be clips from the movie with no context because then that's effectively replacing the experience of watching yes. the movie for someone. Yes, that is a crucial part of fair use law. You, what you do cannot replace the original. And to be fair, there are plenty of great things that do effectively, like, you know, for example, any remix song ever. Yeah. You know, you just... No, there's lots of great, like, remix songs. There's lots of great uses of sampling and music. This... Again, I, I I am not fair opposed use is, to... Yeah, fair uses are really, like, it is not a thing that's really set in stone. It is a thing that's, like... There are certain sort of tenets that you have to pass, and you know, in terms it's of it's really like, scuzzy, and, and how much you know, how much are you, how much of the work are you using, or are you substantially yeah. changing the work? And it's sort of like there are things that just won't get sued because I think a lot of people will say, well, you know, that might not pass fair use if you're a copyright holder, but 
it's not really harming us, so what's the point? Um, but it can also be an, hugely enforced. And as true Doug heads know, Doug being a flagrant violator of fair use is why he had to fucking delete his YouTube channel and start up on Blip because YouTube looked at, like, like he had a, uh, an initial series besides the Nostalgia Critic called 10 Minute Movies where he would just, like, mm. have a caption five and then play a clip from a movie as, like, a funny meme thing. But it would be, like, like use the original audio and everything. And it's just, like, and YouTube was just, like, even in 2008 when they were, like, you can watch, like, every TV show ever in, like, three 10-minute parts <laughs> on YouTube. Yep. That was, like, come on. So he went to Blip and then did his stuff there. But then he had to come back because Blip died. And we, yeah. I, we gotta say, we got we gotta point out a key piece of context here, which is that every single second, every frame of this three and a half hour film contains the watermark for that guy with the glasses.com. Just in case <laughs> anyone should happen to wait, no, steal actually, it. we need to update that. I forgot. We need to update this. We are out of the that guy with the glasses.com era. The opening credit is Channel Awesome Productions. We are now in the Channel Awesome era. Hey, hey guys, what's a name that's even gayer than that guy with the glasses.com? How about Channel Awesome? And this was because um, we'll mention this probably more in the the second episode. But the reason why they changed it was because like all the other creators, like Doug, this site isn't just about you; it's also about us. We need a better name, and that was the answer Doug came up with. Was channel awesome? <laughs> I love I love my my media conglomerate for guys that wear suits and t-shirts called Epic Badass Studios. <laughs> okay, I've got so many notes. This is going to be a long yeah, episode, no. folks. It's going to be all over the place. I apologize. Uh, for starters, Esther. Do you remember that in the Moulin Rouge review, one key complaint that Doug had was that Moulin Rouge uses a lot of really painful innuendo? <laughs> I do recall that, yeah. Doug Walker said that? Yes, he did. He he's talked about how he There's a scene so there's a scene in Moulin Rouge where um Ewan McGregor is like is hiding in uh in his uh in his lover's apartment while the person man she's betrothed to is trying to come on to her. And she keeps making, you know, there's all these lines, which are these, you know, have this double meaning, basically. And he criticized that for being stupid and 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 ridiculous. This is what you're referring to, right? Yeah, he criticizes it. And the first hour of this movie, all of it is just double innuendos about either penises or the plot hole having holes. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's a, like, there's this extended sequence, which is probably like my quote unquote favorite moment of the movie just because it like doesn't Lindsay's friends are so oh, charismatic that's one of where, your like, favorites I fucking hate that <laughs> scene and I hate that well, it's, where they're just like doing this extended like slapstick routine and it is okay no that sequence itself is painful I, I was thinking of something else but they're doing like this routine where Eliza Nella which are Lindsay's friends and Doug are like doing this like who's on first routine about like penises and it just keeps going well, every single joke in these movies just keep going. Every it's single like he, one. It's like if who's on. It's like if who's on first, but if baseball only had two bases, but it goes on for <laughs> yeah. twice as long. I, I would also like, yeah. like to say, uh, you know, I may hate Lindsay's friends in this movie, but to be fair to everyone in these movies, they're also directed by Doug Walker. So, like, I don't really mm. know if it's their fault. It's probably not. Yeah. You know, you know what else is something I noticed who's less bad in this movie? Who? Film brain. Yeah. He's, he, he's sure. less yeah. hyper. Uh, he's, he's, he's more moderate. He doesn't squee as much. There's less of him, which, which <laughs> also helps immensely. I, you know, funny you should mention film brain. I remember um, 
after we recorded Suburban Nights, I sent Esther a video of Film Brain, like doing his own thing. And it is astonishing how much different he is on his own show than he is in these. In these, he's like this precocious man-child. And in his own shows, he's still not very good, but he, he's a lot different. He, his like way he says things even is different. But also yeah. that, that one clip... Uh, I, you posted, I think, his his YouTube intro, and there's just a comment that stuck out to me in there of, oh man, this is a song that when you hear it, you just go, fuck yeah, film brain, which is the dumbest <laughs> sentence I've ever heard. No, please, please, please uh, Google, please Google, um, please Google, uh, film brains intro it is the the funniest thing you will ever see it's <laughs> it's more cringe than like doug's modern yeah it is it's awesome <laughs> uh. but no you're totally right like film brain in his own videos is basically just he's in the same mold as all these guys where it's like they're angry it's, and they're serious it, and they're yelling it's a it's a wrestling intro for guys who can't open jars <laughs> 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 i mean isn't that the all of like channel awesome isn't that yeah, the whole? Yeah. but this one yeah, this one in yeah. particular is so great like i love getting like uh some fucking like jeff rosenstock style song to play for like clips of me pretending to fire okay. an airsoft gun since we're not pretending to go in any continent i fucking hate the score for this movie so much i hate it so much how every single song it's like if you turned fucking Doug's epic voice into music. That's what <laughs> it is! It is! <laughs> okay, I actually have to disagree with you there, Andy. I mean, most of the most of the score is it's just like it was literally bought off Shockwave sounds. But there is one song in this movie that is not bought off Shockwave sounds. Oh, we'll get to that later. Well, we'll get... there's that, but there's also you know much like. Um, much like Brisson or Kubrick before him, Doug likes interpolating classical music into his film. And at a crucial point in this, uh, Gustav Holst's The Planets plays at this, specifically the segment Jupiter Bringer of Jollity, which was a huge influence on John Williams. And hearing like a real piece of classical music, a really good piece of classical music too, in the middle of this, like it, it triggers something weird in your brain. <laughs> this whole movie <laughs> triggers things. Yeah, here's, but... here's the thing about that that I have to. I, here's the thing: uh, the planet Jupiter does figure into the plot of this movie, so you have to imagine that Doug was just sort of googling maybe like Jupiter music, and he sort of came across this. <laughs> Said, yeah. "Oh shit, this is actually pretty good. I'll put this yeah. in the movie." Anyway, uh, let's. So there's also a, a thing in the first like main chunk of this movie, and the whole movie is Doug is depressed because like he's really bad at his job and people keep dying. <laughs> Mati died around him. Yeah, which Mati does not return in this movie. Doug Walker, uh, no, Rob Walker plays Mati's oh, voice, and it's it, Rob it, doing that. Oh, yeah, God. it's yeah. Rob doing the Fun. voice, and it's like a poo level offensive. No, it's it's <laughs> it's probably worse. Oh, it's much worse. It's because it's of a specific person. <laughs> I that voice is the most annoying voice in any of these movies. Yeah, yeah. So like, oh. But it's like it sounds like if they uh, fired Harry Shearer from doing Apu's voice, and they got Morrissey instead. <laughs> but but any, anyway, uh, we got to get back on topic because I don't want to be here for three hours. 
no, I I want to say also Spoonie factors this into a weird way since he part of the plot is that he like merged with Mati. Yeah. Well, the and ending the- of the last movie was uh, Wrath of Khan. So Spoonie is Spock in search for Spock in this movie. Uh, yeah. That's that's what they're going for. It's just lame. It's just it's also weird that they decided to have like the thrust of the plot be Star Trek, considering how much of this movie has nothing to do with Star Trek. I get what they were going for, where, like, Suburban Nights was, like, a fantasy thing. So, doing a dumb sci-fi thing as a follow-up, like, makes sense. But, God, I hate so many of the parodies. But, anyway, what, 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 uh, oh, the government agents. Um, Yeah, we should talk about that, because that's a plot that, like, consumes the first hour, and then is very quickly dropped and never mentioned Yeah, because they fucking die. Uh, (laughs) No, there's, like, government agents, like... That's right. Oh, yeah, so we were talking about Sofa, right? This is the whole thing about the first hour of this movie is there's the Sucka Act, which is the whole, you know, it's the act to stop piracy across the internet, and there's this stuffed shirt congressman who's coming after them. And it is, like you said, Andy, it's it's funny, like, the implication is that Doug thinks that Sofa happened because of him. (laughs) It does! This Doug Walker has a messiah. Co- sorry, the nostalgia critic has a messiah complex. I have to mention that because there are two different characters in this movie. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. But like, he's really annoying. And also, I don't know what the fuck his voice of the henchman is going for. Like, he's like, yeah, he's kind of doing an Igor Master thing, kind of, but he's also not. Like, it's weird. Yeah, they're all like dressed like guys in the matrix too <laughs> they are yeah that's what they're going for oh my god i didn't even pick up on that fuck you got yeah they're the... doing they do a lot of matrix <laughs> they do, parodies they in do this. the matrix which later is funny on because too, yeah. doug doesn't like the matrix fuck off doug i'm gonna kill you <laughs> that's a direct threat to doug walker <laughs> hell yeah uh yeah he does... no but he likes um he likes matrix reloaded he likes oh. the second one that's sure. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Matrix Reloaded too. You can't like Matrix Reloaded and not like the Matrix. What's wrong with you? I don't know. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's true. We're, no. we're trying to. He, he like, he's like the great critics of the past. You know, your Pauline Kael, your your Jonathan Rosenbaum. He's just a he's a loose cannon with idiosyncratic taste. He is truly, he is a. <laughs> direct descendant of bowsley crowther all right so yeah no the government agent stuff is just really also this is because turl is suing the nostalgia critic and there's a scene where he's like in congress and like testifying to doug's dad who is in all three of these movies <laughs> did you not know that was doug walker's dad i didn't know <laughs> I know, I had like a fucking freak out when I, last in Suburban Nights, when I was talked about it being Doug's dad. I knew that <laughs> and, one. I didn't know he was in this one too. The family affair. <laughs> oh my god. I, I'm already losing my fucking mind just doing this. <laughs> We've been recording for 40 minutes and there's still so much <laughs> to talk about. Oh man, okay, so... Oh, we also get the beginnings of a very uncomfortable love triangle. Lindsay, this might be the worst Doug has written Lindsay in any of these movies. Yeah. It, it feels like spiteful. If you remember Suburban Nights, I talked about how there was, you know, a love triangle between Todd and Lupa and Lindsay that they mentioned. This is from Todd's videos. Todd, you know, when he was starting out on the site, he started a running gag that he was stalking Lupa. 
And that was part of his character. Todd, uh, early on, liked to portray himself as just like a psychopath loser to balance out him, you know, being a pop song critic. And uh, eventually when he started dating Lindsay, they added Lindsay to it and they turned it into a love triangle. It was sort of a recurring bit for their movies. And Rob and Doug asked if they could end the arc uh, here. And they all said yes, because, you know, they were tired of doing it. And, you know, they just kind of wanted to move on. Boy, and... are they all written. A whole... Well, okay. The other two aren't written quite as bad as Lindsay, but boy, boy is Lindsay written. Well, what makes this setup between the three of them so unsettling is Lupa's sort of portrayed like kind of a, I mean, she said this herself. She's portrayed as like kind of heartless for not wanting to date Todd, but Todd in the videos, his joke is that he like steals pieces of her hair and like puts geese on her front lawn. Like, it, it, like the, the whole joke is, like, he is actually insane. And <laughs> they write it as just like, oh, he just has feelings for her. And <laughs> he just, remember that they this don't is a, understand it at all. Remember from the Moulin Rouge, from the Moulin Rouge episode, we have to remember that this is a man who, by his own admission, does not know what love is. Also, and, and yeah. I don't think we've mentioned this before, is married. We need to, we need to also get that out <laughs> no! there. Uh, yeah. No! Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's married. I, didn't I genuinely that? didn't know that. No. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to break it to you. I'm sorry I had to break it to yeah. you. No. Doug is As a matter unavailable. of fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The whole point no, of this podcast I, is ruined now. Yeah. Um. I, uh, <laughs> I, I also wanted to say I'm pretty sure... God, I just remembered because Diamanda Hagen, who has a brief cameo in this, they posted about how Doug went on his honeymoon and then the spoony stuff happened. <laughs> <laughs> and he came back to this just clusterfuck of just everyone on the site melting down at each other. That's great. <laughs> God, I forgot about that. That's so good. Oh That's awesome. It's the perfect, because the perfect encapsulation of how all this horrible, it seems like everything was always happening behind Doug's back and he was never aware of anything that was going on. <laughs> I love when I come back from a honeymoon with my dear wife and my website full of guys who own swords are threatening each other of, of over fucking 2011 oatmeal style epic rape jokes. Just, God, what a fucking website. Anyway, anyway uh, Lindsay's a chaser in this movie. It's it's really uncomfortable. What the hell are you oh, even I, talking I, sorry, about? Sorry, I had man? the wrong term. I did not mean that, seeker of trans girls. I meant just like, she's a creep who, who does not take no for an answer. <laughs> yeah, no, she is a there stalker. There we go. That's, That's true. And this, yeah. th th that was a hell of a slip, man. <laughs> <It was>. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> no, but, um... They have her written as like a stalker and they, their motivation for stalking Todd. I mean, in, in the videos, the motivation for stalking Todd is that, you know, it's funny because the two of them were a very visible couple for when they were dating. They appeared in each other's videos all the time and their vlogs they'd be together. Like they were a very like obvious couple. And in these, the joke was, is that it would be funny if they weren't in these videos. But in this one, they were just like, I'm obsessed with what Todd actually looks like under that mask is the writing, which gets the, the, the payoff for that a little bit. Um, uh, I mean, I guess we might as well talk about it now. Like, or no, it doesn't make sense to because they're, 
There's this whole other plot. Okay. Yeah, we I, well, I, I think we're done I mentioned, with all I of mentioned, the events in the first, like, 40 minutes. I, I Which it took us 40 minutes to get there. Uh, uh, this is the elephant in the room. We mentioned, that there, we mentioned rape jokes earlier, but... This is the part of the movie that everyone knows about, and it is uh, it well, first, is one I, of the I think most. Let's talk about Linkara first a little bit, just a yeah. little bit. Get that out of the way. As uh, um, so <laughs> Linkara, we've established, takes these movies seriously like no one. <laughs> else. A very funny tweet I saw from her earlier, complaining about like, fuck, now I have to like have my life attached to like this fucking lunatic hack piece of shit like Doug Walker. And on the other hand, I feel I feel bad for Lewis. I sympathize. On the other hand, Lewis, mm. you are way too fucking invested for me to sympathize with you. I'm sorry. You put you put so much time in this stupid universe and you didn't realize that like you're working with Doug Walker. I'm sorry, man. I I can't feel any sympathy for you. Mm. Also, Doug Walker plays Zod in this movie. I had no idea why he was doing that. I had seen most of his reviews from back in the day. I'm like, he never did that. Uh, listening to your ep- Suburban Nights episode, Perry pointed out like half the stuff in this movie is from Linkara's show, and it's like, yeah. oh, that's why where he they, got the Zod a, from. There's a joke early on about how much Linkara lore is in this movie. <laughs> Linkara like chastises someone for not watching his extended universe <laughs> and knowing what his all his the, the stupid atop details. The fourth are. wall movie is a canonical sequel to this. <laughs> Linkara's 2046. <laughs> no, uh, no, okay. I have to say, um, Linkara for most of this movie plays his evil robot twin, Mechakara, yes. who kidnaps Linkara and then pretends to be Linkara for most of the because movie. Because he's working for Turok. Uh, and so then we get to yeah. the Lindsay stuff. Yeah, so he he's sort of, um, you know, he's like quietly sabotaging everything. I feel like it's a reference to some sci-fi movie, but I can't remember how he's Maybe like Maybe Alien? The... Oh, it's Aliens. It's Aliens. Yes, it's Aliens. No, not Aliens. Um... Not the plural, uh, but yeah. He, it's both. It's He's like, um, he's a mix of the, the robot from Alien and uh, the, the uh, piece, yeah, Paul Reiser piece from Aliens. Uh, <laughs> and he, he's like slowly assimilating members of the crew. The first person he assimilates is Lindsay. And it's done through a rape scene. It's done. Okay. But here, here's, here's what makes it like different than most rape scenes. Doug and Rob did not know they were writing a rape scene. Like they wrote the scene and originally, <laughs> originally what they had it was, is that they had film brain walk over and listen in. And he'd hear, like, the two of them, like, grunting or whatever. And you heard, like, would hear, like, all these innuendos and stuff. And the the idea was is that Film Brain thinks he's listening to two people having sex. So and uh, I read the document But wait, the let time. me continue. I misinterpreted. Let, let, oh, let, con- um. let me continue. The, they had to change it because, you know, Lindsay and Linkara got the script and they're friends. And Linkara got the script and he talked to Lindsay. He's like, hey, have you read the script yet? And she was like, no. It's like, hey, we, we kind of have like a rape scene in this. I, I don't know what to do about this. And they, they talked to Doug about it. And Doug's solution was, oh, we'll just add some moaning noises so it'll sound consensual. See, and they took out like the innuendo. So they do take out, they did change the dialogue from the script excerpt that, that was released as part of the not so awesome document which i am not going to read to you what this dialogue is but the notion that doug wrote this and then was approached about this and said what do you like rape scene like what do you talk 
it is. See, I I read d- the document. Difficult to believe. I misremembered it. I thought he was. Oh, he knew he was doing a rape scene and was perfectly comfortable with it. And it was like, okay, I understand. We'll tone it down. And then he didn't barely tone it down at all. I'm not sure which is worse, the version that I had in my head or what actually happened. <laughs> Yeah. No, I think he think I think he was just doing like some like funny slapstick routine. It's like the Austin Powers like shadow scene. Uh, I forget which Austin Powers movie it is. I think he was just having like it'd be funny if Film Brain thought this was sex, and then and then like just fucking Lewis and Lindsay are like, why 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 is there a rape scene in this? Uh, I want to I want to go back a little bit to talk about something before. Not unless if you you guys still have more to say about the rape scene because I kind of want to get away from it. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, I, I just want to say, I don't think it's the only rape scene in this no, movie. I think you're right. I can't remember the context, but I remember watching it with you and being like, oh my god, there's a second rape scene in this movie. I am pretty sure there is like a smash cut to Zod raping Turl. I rewound the scene actually to figure out what is happening since it's No, I it's think like... he's just shoving his head in the couch because they're ba- doing bad play fighting. I think I remember that. That that was not a rape scene. I It might be that. It might be that. But like, again... It's what it looks like. It, it like it, it's what it looks like, and knowing the sight sense of humor, it would not be out of the realm of possibility. You that know, that's what Doug it Walker is. thinks prison rape jokes are fucking hilarious. Yes, I think he. I think he. He's able to separate in his mind maybe the part of himself that knows that like it's a bad thing, but at at the same time he holds simultaneously in his mind the idea that it's just it's also funny. There's a you know it's it's, it's bizarre. We talked about this on the last episode, just how ubiquitous rape jokes were, and I think that that's it, yeah. it's so clear here. Oh, and also one more thing about Lindsay. She does. She's doing like a. a I haven't seen fucking Star, Star Trek, but she's doing I believe like a Seven of Nine parody here. Yeah. And their character's name is Seven Seven of Eleven, which, damn, that's hilarious. Got but him. The original one, which she had to strong harm her way into changing because uh, she was not comfortable wearing a skin-tight suit. And <laughs> this being her name, her original name was Sixty of Nine. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh my god, I hate him so much. It's the most epic thing I've ever heard in my life. So, since we're complaining about Doug Walker, uh, Doug's under house arrest in the beginning of the movie. And they get around this, because when he tries to leave his house, he has a shock color to his leg. They get around this by uh, going to the plot hole by transforming Doug's house into a spaceship. So much of this movie is in Doug Walker's house. So much of this movie. And also, I hate how fucking cheap and bad the spaceship sets looks. And like, Okay, so Jew Wario drives the pilots of the ship with, like, a fucking Wii wheel and, like, driving it like a steering wheel. I hate that visual because it's, like, you didn't even try. You it's didn't somehow, even fucking... It's somehow lower rent than the last two. Where the last two actually, like, well, they went outside. Hours. They don't... They don't have time to do that. <laughs> they, they have three and a half. Okay, we'll talk. My save, favorite, no, my favorite save, part, save actually. Save that reveal for later. My favorite part is when uh, Zod and Terrell are like on a spaceship at first, but there's a bit early on where they just do a thing where it's like, we made it look like a house now. Because Doug Walker's like, well, you work from your house. No, Doug, you work from your house. Some of us have to go to work. Oh, you work oh, also, from your the, house. The, 
The best part is that they they constantly I'm try I'm gonna try not to slip into Doug Epic voice doing this, but they constantly reference how in Zod's house there is a plant that ties the room together. That is the second fucking time that you just stole a joke from the Big Lebowski in one of these movies. The most famous and beloved cold comedy of the past like fifty fucking years, and you're just lifting jokes from yeah. it. Like you, no, you have heard that line. It's a parody. You you've You've heard that line from your fucking dad like nine times. Like you hear that like from your dad nine times a year. You don't get to, if you're going to steal some shit, at least steal Star Wars, which is a dramatic movie. Or I don't know, at least steal like a movie that people haven't seen. But Big Lebowski is not only a movie everyone's fucking seen, but it's a comedy movie everyone's yeah. seen. If you're stealing other people's jokes, you, you're, ugh, God. Yeah, if you're stealing Jesus, a joke, man. it's not a reference when you're just <laughs> It's like you could say it's a reference when you're doing like the some of the Star Wars stuff. It's not a reference when you're just yeah. taking the joke. When you're literally just doing the fucking uh, rug really tied the room together bit from Lebowski. You don't get but to it's say that. It's like, oh, we're doing a parody. <laughs> but it's a plan. It's completely different. God, no, it's just pissed at it. And they keep doing it too. Like every fucking, every time a new character comes to the house, they're like, damn, that plant really ties the room together. It's like, stop fucking saying that. Just at least do the like parking lot bit from a serious man or something. At least people haven't seen that movie. <laughs> like, come on. I mean, yeah, that, that, are you assuming that Doug's seen that movie? Just, Doug Jesus has not Christ. seen a serious man. There's no way. We've already we've already done the Doug Doug watching a serious man bit. All right, before. all right. But... So so let's. So anyway, I, I wanted to bring up because like before the rape scene, there's like a weird like lull that kind of reminds me of the new scene from Kikassia, and then it's just like the plot just stops to do like little bits. Yeah, they, they have Paul walk around and just like interview everyone in his pod. God, just, yeah, it's wait not a as minute. It's, ex- it's exactly the new scene from Kikassia, literally. But there's no one interviewing. It's just cutting, hard cutting from different scenes. It's, yeah, yeah. It's less acutely painful because I, I don't mind Pa as much. He just seems like a music nerd, and they're like, <laughs> the problem with uh, kick, the one in Kikassia. No one's doing a like bad everyone... Mid Atlantic voice. <laughs> no one's yeah. doing the bad. Yeah, no one's doing a bad Cary Grant impression, and also like it feels like it's flowing in the movie more, and not just here's an excuse for everyone to do Did their stand up. Put the news scene from Kikassi on black and white. Did they even do the most? No, they didn't. Did they? No, I hate them. <laughs> um. Okay. Okay. Um. So then we get to the epic part of the movie. The most epic part. Um, oh, side note. There's one other sequence I wanted to talk about beforehand when they're they're doing, they're stealing the uh, lie detector bit from The Simpsons. Oh, um, yeah, that is. I didn't know and, that. And how, oh, how, yes, we have to talk about this, yeah. So, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier Spoonie's whole role in this movie is that he's fused with Mati. And they have the sequence where um, the, like, weird science nurses played by Lindsay, uh, Lindsay's friends hook him up to a uh, machine and they like ask him questions and like he gives honest answers like the machine will read honest answers and i I think it's like the closest i ever got to ever chuckling at the movie where some of like spoonie's answers were like a little amusing by the way maybe the best simpsons joke of all time you're just ripping off it is yeah it is literally just uh the the sears catalog joke from the simpsons it's so good and they they just straight stole it um so anyway, the, the government agents kidnap Spoonie after but, that scene. We know we, oh, we got it. But gotta... they did reference Rebecca Black. They talk about <laughs> Rebecca Black. Also, they they like ask Spoonie like, "What's your favorite song?" Oh, I and it says, about the Friday <laughs> bit. Fuck. Yeah. Friday by Rebecca Black. Friday was a year old at this point. Like, 
<laughs> I mean, isn't there also like, a reference okay. to Juno? As like if it's a recent thing and later Juno on. Juno had been like, yeah, yeah no. that was like four years ago at this point. Yeah, no, that would be like if like we we went on an extended riff about Darkest Hour on this podcast <laughs> or something. <laughs> they, like, no one gives a shit about like I Tanya anymore. So why are these guys talking about um fucking Friday by Rebecca Black? Which by the way, like that's an older thing, but like the in hindsight, like it, it was exceptionally cruel how like just this like random girl just got turned into yeah. the enemy of the internet. Oh, yeah, no, for well, just... I mean we did that with like every fucking child pop star. From like yeah. two thousand, like the start of the two thousands, till like twenty fifteen, like that was yeah. that was the funniest thing in the world was just just shitting on child pop stars. Oh, which by the way, go back. Friday by Rebecca Black is significantly less embarrassing than basically anything Doug has ever did because <laughs> one, Rebecca Black was like twelve years old when she did it, and it was like her birthday present. And <laughs> this is grown ass adults earnestly trying to make something. Like with sophistication and depth, and not just yeah, they they have all the decency of like eight year old me watching like Barney gets shot (laughs) YouTube in 2008. Like that's the level of maturity they're going for. Yeah, Rebecca Black jokes, especially in like 2012, feel like just feel like guys going yo. I would fucking kill Barney the dinosaur. I would kick his ass. (laughs) I would (laughs) shoot him with a gun. You might as well have just gone fuck it and done the original Rebecca Black joke, which is Justin Bieber. Yeah, or, seriously. No, why don't they just fucking do Hanson? <laughs> just do Hanson at that point. Anyway. Um... I got to talk about my the, the most important bit from this lie detector scene, though, which is at the end of it, Cinema Snob turns to Kenley Walker and says, uh, remind me to ask him if he's a transvestite. And he turns oh! and says, is your closeted trans girl who has to stand there and be like, oh, yeah, for sure. No, it's the okay. most mortifying thing you've ever seen. Rob is a piece of shit. Like, there's no, there's no doubt about that. He is a piece of shit who still stands by Doug. But I'm going to give him, and maybe even Doug, the benefit of the doubt that they had no idea that she was trans. Oh, no, of course not. Of course not. It's just it's just hysterical in hindsight because because yeah. I'm guessing she she might have known. <laughs> yeah. God, and it's so fucked know. up that like tra- like like trans people were an easy joke until literally five years ago. I mean, they still kind yeah. of are in pop culture. They, but they were least... a, they were an easy joke until like two months ago, and now they're still an easy joke. But it's like a good joke made by actual trans people and not just people going like, "You like to you wear girls' clothes because you're gay." Gay people are <laughs> gay, but you're like super gay. This is the Seth MacFarlane <laughs> thought process yeah. on trans people. For the record. Yeah. yeah. Oh, side yeah, yeah. note: there there is a. Uh, Andy and I have to watch the Big Bang Theory for uh, those good old-fashioned values. (laughs) Only the first 10 episodes. The first episode has a joke about a, quote, 300-pound black transvestite. It it was all over the place. It it literally was just so omnipresent. Even, like, from people who, like, Doug himself was very, very vocally pro-gay marriage. Like, he didn't take political stances in his reviews unless supporting... uh, the, well, yeah, the, uh, I mean, D- Doug was very strongly pro-LGB. Yeah, <laughs> but no, he, he didn't take political stances aside from, unless you count uh, supporting America's greatest ally in the Middle East. And um, he, uh, he I, I don't think, I genuinely don't think he had any, like, amnesty towards trans people. He, like, I remember there being, like, a bunch of interviews 
with him where people would ask him since furries were a huge deal at this time and people asked him like what do you think about furries and he's like man it's like just do you side note this was 2012 there was probably a huge discourse online right now if doug was a brony or not yeah no and he he just said yeah just do what you want so like i think he was just like this very specific type of like sitcom writer liberal where it's like he was okay he was a liberal like where it's like yeah 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 yeah. it's like look transsexuals they can do whatever but they do be gay though they, they <laughs> do be gay but it is pretty funny <laughs> yeah anyway uh, oh, so, so now we need to get to the most epic scene in the movie so uh spoonie got captured by government agents they take him to, to to europa which is the planet right behind saturn for some reason uh they go and rescue him in the spaceship but they get captured by uh turl and fucking zod's henchmen and it's it's really lame there's like a sabotage the important thing is that to to rescue them doug puts on a judge dread costume and does a 30 minute action sequence in the middle of a field where he just shoots a toy i tuned this out i had it to a certain point i was like this is still fucking going it goes on for so long yeah Look, there's a lot that still goes in these movies. This is the thing that is the most overstayed its welcome in any of the Doug Walker movies. It just keeps going. And he does this, like, Doug, like, ah, scream a lot, too. (laughs) And it just, just endless. Okay, but I had the scenes trivia. Uh, I watched this with Andy, I think, a couple years ago. Uh, It was me, Andy, and I believe our Swedish friend, Ricky, and Ricky only watched this with us because I was going to get drunk and watch it with him. <laughs> you bailed and halfway through, by the way, which I don't blame this you. This is the moment where I bailed. I think, I yeah. think, and then I, I was like, I was drinking a lot, but like, this was the moment where I was like, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> and the mil- and this is also right after this is when the movie starts getting really bad. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to It the- just starts cratering after that. No, there's that like entire epic scene and then. The cinema snob gets captured, and then they do the entirety of Star no, Wars. No, we need and... to we need to stop. We need to slow down for a second. The what? cinema snob what gets you, captured. What were you talk? They show some stuff, and then it cuts to him in a bed being fed grapes by a woman who's his wife, for the record. So it's a little less creepy, but still, that scene. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. 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 His wife is just dressed in like. Just like lingerie, just like feeding him thin mints. It's not even grapes; it's thin mints. <laughs> if you look at the plate, you can see the fucking thin mints, which not a bad taste in treats, honestly. But still, man, come no, on. I mean, like one of America's like great pastimes is going. Oh shit! Girl Scout cookies are here. Like it is a universal thing, so I get it. But like, God, that's like one of the most uncomfortable scenes in the movie. Which is saying yeah. something. No, it is, it is really, really uncomfortable. Let's see. I'm trying to think of... Oh, before that, there is actually a really revealing scene going on. Like, they have uh, Kinley and Brad chatting together. Which, by the way, Kinley, lovely person. Wish her the best. Glad she got out of this site. Um, she cannot fucking act to save her life. And, like, she is reading all of her lines in this movie. Like, she just woke up. And it is, it's just rough, but she she and uh, Brad have the scene together is where they're talking. Is it that she can't act or Doug can't direct? Probably both. But Definitely both. The two of them are, they are together and Brad has this extremely revealing speech where he says, um, 
Hey, man, do you think that the end of the, the age of the critic is coming? Like, you know, do you feel like it's the era, our era is collapsing? These people thought the they were the, the cutting edge of, of film criticism. And they said, you know, Brad says also, you know, like, yeah, you can't chase the zeitgeist forever. And on the one hand, like, I feel like this is an extremely revealing moment because Doug obviously thought that, uh, I mean, he, he retired the critic, so I guess he knew, like, a different era was coming. But this movie does feel like the the heaven's gate moment for this entire type of internet it's, personality. It's not so much that like this movie caused it, but it is in the sense of like, we'll talk about it a bit more in the, the sense, but like 2012 and 2013 was when the corporate consolidation of like internet really started kicking in to high gear. And like, it, it yeah. was basically like 2013. I remember was like the year where YouTube became the video playing site. Like just, just it. Yeah. Because there were a bunch of alternatives, like, beforehand, but then they just got wiped out and everyone started using it. Um, but we'll talk more about that. There's that. But no, it, it is partially that. And it's partially because a huge cultural shift was about to go through. As the Obama era went on, we sort of shifted from our internet personalities being, like, this epic yeah. bacon, you uh, epic fuck waffle fuck stick type of guy. I'd like to steal a steal a phrase from Felix and call it the upskirt Heisenberg era of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it started shifting towards like the internet at least from what i gathered it felt like it was getting more socially conscious and it was talking more about it was the think piece era of the internet basically and it felt like people were less and less interested in seeing guys at their computers scream about michael bay movies and like actually wanted to see some level of engagement with you know themes and broader topics which some people didn't, and that caused a little internet phenomenon. Two things I'd want to say. One, look forward to Spencer's inevitable uh, Gamergate podcast he will do in the year never. Uh, two, yeah. I think it's also really funny that a lot of the evolution after the Gamergate was the rise of BreadTube as sort of the post-Gamergate response. And something that like a lot of people point out online with like how like high production values a lot of BreadTube videos is like, oh, this is just Channel Awesome 2. The idea I have in my head is what if they make a movie and like one day <laughs> Lindsay Ellis just looks around and like has a moment of pure sober clarity of like, oh God, I'm doing this again. That's just a thought I've had every time I think of BreadTube. It's just like, what God. if Lindsay Ellis gets dragged into another one of these fucking internet movies? What if she has her, my God, what have I done? Moment? I know. Yeah. <laughs> She has her fucking once in a lifetime moment. It'd be the funniest thing in the world. Uh, anyway. Oh, God. Okay, so we we have to talk about this whole arc with Brad. Brad has the Darth Vader arc because he gets seduced by Rob Walker as Bad Palpatine, and is just like, "Hey, we can let you make real movies instead of being a critic." And side note, it turns side into note. it is astonishing in the Rob Walker scene. Listening to the, the movies that Rob and Doug co-wrote, they have no idea what makes bad art bad. Like this is your job. Yeah. Like you should be able to, totally. to get that. But in the Darth Plagueis the Wise ripoff scene. It's like, like the way they're talking about uh, the, the shitty B movie. It's like, this is why you think bad movies are? This is what, like... Yeah, they talk about how, like, infamy will live on because, you know, there's cult, like, there's cult figures who make bad movies and good art is fleeting, but infamy goes and on. And that but, is technically like, one true, they... looking at the Doug Walker career. <laughs> well, they, they, like, they say that partially... They, you know, it's partially obvious they don't know what bad movies are. Kyle, who we'll talk about later, is like the only person in this movie who doesn't think formalism is a type of suit you wear. And <laughs> 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 but uh, the the 
other um the other issue with this is that the the people they name drop as being like infamous figures who like got huge careers off of being bad movie makers it's not even accurate. Like they they talk about Uva Bull as like the Dark Plagueis, they Darth Plagueis they talk about. And Uva Bull doesn't have like a cult fandom. Like he briefly had one maybe in the early 2010s and I still people still pass around like his letterbox reviews, but like he, he's not like fucking Neil Breen or the cool cat guy. Well, maybe genuinely it's, has. maybe it's more just cuz like that like I do remember Uva Bull being thing. That might be the specific times, but it's it's also like like Well, it's a terrible example since like Uva Bull doesn't have fans ironic or unironic like but it, but anymore it, but it's also like the, the more thing is like doug doesn't get because he is the ultimate narcissist who is making a bad movie like a lot of people who make bad movies like yes obviously there's a lot of corporate crap that like obviously everyone on the project knows is bad we've watched plenty of that on this podcast but like a lot of bad media is made because people who are very high up think it's good and think it's going to work, and think it's going to be great, and then it just fucking doesn't. And 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 we are watching the ultimate example of that. This is the ultimate bad movie, in that sense of a creator just not getting it. Yeah, it's uh, it's rough. And then Kinley sort of turns into Luke Skywalker, and I she like also with... defend Kinley a little bit. I think I think every time they're on screen, it's like you know what, they're fine. They, they get across the roles. I, I think they're, like, a bright spot in this movie, comparatively speaking. Well, the, she talks with uh, Kyle, who still goes by Owen Citizen at this point. And Kyle is sort of like, no, you can appreciate great art for what it is. And I did get a chuckle. Like, they have this montage of great movies, and it's all public domain movies, like Night of the Living Dead, It's a Wonderful Life, Nosferatu. And it's so funny because they're like, they don't know how to handle copyright in this movie because like on the one hand you have, you know, they only show clips from like old silent movies and stuff that kind of went into the public domain, like Night of the Living Dead. But on the other hand, there there's a lot of examples of them not doing copyright law. Like they, they have like JPEGs of uh, red shells and blue shells in this movie. Not which, JPEGs, bad CG objects. Yeah, which very illegal, very, very anti-copyright in order to do that. I'm pretty sure they also have like the Wii remote. I don't know. Remember if they like cover up the Wii no, they don't. You just see the Wii wheel. It's like very <laughs> obviously supposed to be that. So like on the one hand, like you have them being cognizant. It's like, yeah, we probably shouldn't put like actual movies in this. But on the other hand, it's you probably have more of a leg to stand on, including clips from like Citizen Kane in this movie, than you do like actually putting Coca Cola cans. Note, I think in it's this. funny that like the only like video of Kyle's that I've actually seen is his uh, video on F for Fake, which is a movie about copyright and like what makes a good good art and bad art and all that stuff. So I, I think it's a very funny little coincidence here. Uh, uh, no, but Kyle's actually a very smart guy, at least from what I've seen. Yeah, I've seen and some of his videos. He's seen, he, he, he is at he's least, a sharp guy. He he knows, like, art on a, like, technical level. I, I'm totally not putting the kid gloves on here because I was mutuals with his fiance back when I was on Twitter. <laughs> like, he is a competent video essay maker. I'll say that. Yeah, no, he, he seems like a nice guy. He's not, he jumped ship from this website, like, pretty fast, and it was a smart move on his part. And he he does decently well here. He seems when he's doing this big speech about great cinema, he seems to be genuinely kind of passionate. Who's the guy who plays uh, not Obi Wan in this movie? Last Angry Geek. He's not great. I, I think the funny I 
he's he's bad but the best joke in this entire movie is that um he, he takes his like robe off and he's just wearing like a hawaiian shirt <laughs> that is pretty that, good that's pretty that's good. pretty good i don't know if that's intentional but that's like a great bit to just be like a wizened sage that dresses like your uncle on vacation yeah yeah i mean yeah and they oh, have this whole oh. thing do we talk about the distraction scene now? No, we need to go back. We need to talk about the scene where they enter Spoonie's mind. There's a lot. Oh, yeah. They, they enter Spoonie's mind. They have, like, film brain, like, Matrix's way into Spoonie's mind, which... Actually, no, the hardest laugh I ever got in this movie was when they do the Matrix parody and they have, have fucking film brain <laughs> on the in Mar- Matrix shades. <laughs> Next just to like all in, the Mario 2 dwarf sprites just that are, doing the- by the way, <laughs> so horribly low resolution. Holy shit. Yeah. Fucking... They do the fucking cool tunnel scene from the Matrix, but they have fucking film brain just standing in there wearing glasses and a trench coat. They have they have him dressed like Columbine two up in here. <laughs> <laughs> With all of this stuff going on, and it is every time he's on screen, like trying to look badass, when he just looks like me. If I got haircuts, if I got haircuts more often, it's so fucking funny, man. Oh my god! But then we get shirtless Spoonie. Well, actually, before that, we get parody scenes where they go in and and look at like because they're going into Spoonie's mind. So they open doors and they see how Spoonie views other critics. And I will say, like the satire of Doug and Angry John Linkara. Not bad. Like those were at least like I I got a chuckle out of those. It's but one then of the they only just... honest moments in the movie. Yeah. No. The, it's also like the moment earlier on in the scene that we didn't talk about, where like Doug gathers all the critics together, and he's like, "Have I ever lied to you all the time?" And it's like that that there are so many scenes where like Doug doesn't realize he's a bad person, but his subconscious might. His subconscious, and it's it's really funny. Then we get shirtless yeah. Spoonie, which is. No, we what? get shirtless Jew Warrior. No, well, no, no. We get shirtless Spoonie, too, remember? Because they go into yeah, his sure. super ego. Yes! We get shirtless Spoonie, and he looks like a fucking SCP. He looks <laughs> like a skinwalker. Who was that a parody of? Am- I feel like it might be like... It, it feels like Amnesia the Dark Descent or something. <laughs> it does? No, it might, be a, it might be a Christian Bale movie. and frail and pale, and it's like... <laughs> God. He No, he, he looks like... um. I think it's like Christian Bale in that movie where he lost all of that weight. I forget what it's called. The Machinist? The yeah, The Machinist. Yeah, it might be the that. Machinist. I don't know how to pronounce words. That's fair. I've no, I don't know neither do about. I. But um, yeah, that's fucked up. So then we get the other, the uncomfortable scene with Jew Wario, which is, okay, so Mechakara and Mecha Lindsay then make their plans. This after movie that. never fucking ends! It's insane. We're getting close to the third act, at least. Um, <laughs> There's hour no three-act structure in this movie. Andy, there's no three-act structure in this movie. There is like nine five-act movies that happen in this movie concurrently. See, I think there kind of is. Like, like there's the opening 40 minutes. Then there's everything from them leaving the house to Doug leaving the ship. Then there's the ending of the movie. Like, it's it's not good, but I, I think I can follow it. Anyway... So then Mechacar and, Link, and, and, like, they need the good critics, which is, um, uh, Jew Wario and someone else realize what they're doing and try to stop them. Also, uh, uh, fucking Todd got turned into Robocop earlier. Costume's bad. Poor Todd. Todd, okay, I sent this link to YouTube before we did this. I don't know if you watched it. But I, I Todd, didn't, unfortunately. I, I, did. T- I did. Todd has, like, an epilogue. Okay, Todd... We're skipping around all over the place, but, like, Todd's resolution in this movie is that Lupa, like, gets him to snap out of his RoboCop psychosis if 
he goes on a date with him. And Todd's written in this movie in like the weirdest, most indifferent way possible. And it, it like, again, Todd is just doing like Doug's lines and it feels weird and still it does. Because he then writes you, everyone as him. Yeah. And then when you go to the coda, like, which is in Todd's one, two back review where like he and Lupa actually go on that date. It's so much funnier because Todd like writes himself as like a loser and Lupa is like very like, what the fuck am I doing here? It's so vastly different. And it's also like the writings, I wouldn't say it's great, but it's like a lot more clever than whatever the fuck is happening yeah, here. Yeah, because he's Todd in the shadows. He's supposed to be a creep. Speaking of creeps, we got to talk about Jew Wario again. So Jew Wario helps. And the subplot of Jew Wario in this movie is that he's super inspired by George Takei. So when it's time to do the big action I'm not, scene, I'm not making any tasteless jokes. I'm not I will going say, to do that. It's amazing that they managed to make the scene where he shows his dick, and and this is arguably aged worse. So he takes off his shirt like decay, and you see his fucking nipples. And listen, if you're out there, if you're out there, I need you to do something for me. Can you, can you please put Ju Wario in the Lucas room? Can someone please do that just for me? His nipples are so fucking bright. They're, they, they're like beams of light. Oh, it's but <laughs> it's fucking horrifying and gross, and it's it's also he's doing a George Decay, and it's just like God. Also, I want to bring up something minor from earlier. During the scene where they go into Spoonie's mind, all the critics are standing next together, and they start chewing on painkillers like they're fucking Flintstones vitamins. <laughs> what the? F this was a part of the movie that I feel like I I I blacked out. There's like a there's like a forty five yeah, minute stretch of this movie where it just like I was watching it, but it wasn't my brain wasn't accepting it. It was just sort of shoving so, it away. Anyway, then, yeah, they take painkillers. Then they, they which I I'd need to be on opiates in order to film this. <laughs> we're we're making it there. We're past the two hour mark at least. Okay. Okay. We, we've got to go faster. We've got to go fucking faster. Right, okay. So. I'm gonna pass out. <laughs> okay. So um. That, anyway, then we get... Okay, so they, they save Lindsay. So her and, and then, like, we, we need to save the ship. So, like, her and someone else, I forget which other critic, dress up as, like, Zod's henchmen from the movie Superman 2. And they, and they do a bad scene because Zod's henchmen are having a party for some fucking reason. We get a musical number. Spencer, the fact that fucking Doug... There is a Jim Steinman parody song in this movie feels like Doug is attacking us specifically. It feels like he is targeting us. This song is so bad. So <laughs> yeah, I think what the song they're trying to do is um, Bonnie Tyler. I need a hero, probably. Yes, yeah, like, definitely. Because because yeah. Doug loves Shrek too, and this is the yeah, yeah. They're uh, yeah, they are doing like a a flash dance style like big eighties musical number, and you know at first it's not because Lindsay bad. sings and Lindsay yeah Lindsay not sings at bad. first. Lindsay's a good singer, actually. Yeah, yeah, she has a good voice. The music. It's, like, not bad. It's, like, well-composed, but, like, they do it on, like, these MIDI keyboards and horns. So, it sounds like it's being performed by the Demon Souls soundtrack. And <laughs> the, the, uh, it's, like, at first I'm, like, uh, at first I was, like, grooving with the scene, like, as much as I could. Because I am a huge sucker for scenes where there's, like, cross-cutting set to pop music. Like... Yeah, I, I love uh, one of the one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever is the werewolves of London scene from Col Color of Money. That scene's awesome. You know, all the scenes from Streets of Fire yes. where they have like a pop song playing over like action is awesome. 
Uh, if they had not nowhere fa- fast in this movie instead of not I need a hero, I might be fucking blacked out right now. <laughs> yeah, no, because the- that Streets of Fire is my favorite movie. So all that jazz has like eight scenes in it that are you know just like cross cut to music like existing pop music and it's awesome so i was like grooving with it a little bit since they're doing like a phantom menace type thing where they have like four interweaving plots at once going on and it's like if i can take a step back and be like not a dick for one second i can at least appreciate the effort of doug trying to do this massive four plot lines at once type of thing in a shitty movie like it doesn't work but i respect the swing in some way at first, I was like, yeah, you know, hey, this is a little fun. You know, they're they're doing this uh, cool 80s scene. I can, they're trying. I can vibe with that. And then Doug starts singing. <laughs> and, and it so is the bad. most, it's so off key. Like, it, it it's off key. It's off, like, I think it's off tempo too. Like, I, it, it feels like they recorded it at different points. Like, I would not be surprised if Doug just sang it on set and Lindsay did it in ADR. And, and, and it, well, because as we know, most of, of Suburban Nights, and Ke- especially most of Kikastia, were literally dubbed over. Because, yeah. you know, they only had one camera. I don't know if they had any mics. <laughs> yeah, but no, that it, it, it's so weird. Like, it feels like Doug sang to a different backing track. It, it, because it's just so jarring and weird. And... Oh god, it's 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 an okay joke, but it hurts so much because they have Kyle in the scene and the whole joke is that Kyle can't sing even though he wants to because he plays a mute character from uh, Superman 2. And the way they blow their cover is at the very end of it, he like launches into his operatic tenor and it sounds really fucking good. So can you imagine if Kyle had been able to sing this whole fucking song? Like it might have actually been okay. But no, but Doug had to. Uh so yeah. anyway, all right. So at the same time, this is also like the Star Wars stuff. Not really much mentioning. Just Liter- It's literally just Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and, and, and he's and also Brad is an evader. Also, uh, Brad hates it. Like he's called Bradikin in this movie because he's Anakin Skywalker. He fucking hates that name. He fuck like if any if a fan calls him that, he's like, don't fucking call me Bradikin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And he's still one of the guys who's still friends with Doug, too. That's the fucked up thing. But that, I just wanted to get that. So we could talk about the thing that is the most insane. The, the, the thing the entire movie is a punchline building up to. Is a setup building up to this punchline. So the critic's like, ah, I can't do this anymore. I'm just, I'm just a fuck up who ruins everything. So he goes to fly into the, the plot hole that is also Mati. Which is also in universe the cause of all of the reason the reason why none nothing in any of these movies makes sense because there's a plot hole. You see, he flies into that. The nostalgia critic arrives back home in his house. He's like, "Oh, okay, this is this is like all right, yeah, I see." Big big shock. He then grabs his laptop, sits down on his couch, opens it, and what the fuck does he see? What does he see looking at it? He sees to boldly flee on a word document. To boldly flee. Written yeah, by they go, Doug they and go Rob full end of Ava script because he's in the some... real world, you see. <laughs> and then he meets Doug. Doug. He meets have... Doug. Yeah. <laughs> this was the point in the first viewing of this movie, for the record, when I snapped. When I fucking was just like, oh my god, no. No, you're not this much of a hack, Doug. Oh. I, I, I don't know what you're saying, Andy. I think it's very Brechtian. <laughs> Should I fuck <laughs> I think it's... <laughs> Because 
it is an eight-year-old's idea of being. Oh, so better. you all, so you all like F for fake so much <laughs> when someone wants to take influence from it. When another, when another guy with a beard wants to take influence from it for his own. Spencer, Spencer, so don't offended. you fucking, don't you? I, I hope Orson Welles rises from his grave and fucking chokes. Hey, you. maybe if maybe if Orson Welles was a critic, he would have been able Shut to make more up. movies. <laughs> Orson Welles. Oh. No, I love. Okay, I want to make it abundantly clear. Yeah, since, I know. Like, I know. All, all of the, no, I just need to say that like all the people who used to follow me on Twitter think I hold like seventeen different opinions that I don't. I fucking love Orson Welles. He is a hero oh, yeah. and one of like mm-hmm. he is up there with like Cassavetes as like the titan of American cinema. So please do not take it to assume that I don't have anything but the utmost reverence yeah, no. for Orson Welles. I just I I I just like fucking with my friends and a little bit more than I like, like him. Like like this is what the film has been leading up to. Like all that Star Wars and like that you can cut that out because the entire point is the critic getting to his house and meeting Doug Walker. Holy shit. Oh, so anyway, at the same time, we got to talk about Spoonie and Bennett the Sage uh meeting <laughs> Mati and the Worm. And doing a bad. Okay, there's like an hour parody. left in the movie at this point. There's a yeah, hour no, no, like forty. One minutes. of the it's an Akira parody, and when Bennett the Sage, which uh, God Hannah, thank you so much for that. Yeah, Hannah, you nailed him to the wall. I love you so much. He doesn't even act like that, but that name is just like lyrical, spiritual miracle guy who tells you not to smoke weed. <laughs> no, he's no, he's just the anime reviewer. He's just yeah. Uh, <laughs> and when he emerged dressed as Goku, I died. It is so. It is. It is one of the most perfect shots in this entire movie. So bad. Bennett the <laughs> and the okay. So we you've mentioned the, these movies. They they tend to have bad effects. You see, this movie has so many bad effects. So it has, many. It has dozens of bad effects and. We'll explain. There's actually a good reason why the effects are so bad. Yeah, we'll explain, explain that part too. Look forward to But it's not even like bad effects in like a charming way or like in a way you'd expect. It's just like really, really bad sophomore year graphic design student type of shit. Yeah, it's like like CGI equivalent of clip art. So that that's also happening because they're fighting Mati because Mati's a sad because like critics are hacks. Who, who produce nothing of value and just, like, ruin everything around them. At the same time, we also get the conclusion to both the Turl and Zod plots and the, the Star Wars stuff, which end. Uh, Luke does his not... Uh, the, we get a not Return of the Jedi scene in the ending, and they throw the Emperor and beat him, and that's cool. They fire a blue shell at, at fucking turl and to end it and it's lame but even more lame with that is is the one weird european dude randomly finding a button for a detonator for the death star just on the sh- the critic's ship and pressing it and that being the end of that plot it's like <laughs> jesus fucking christ doug Je- i gotta be honest watch- i when i saw that my assumption i can't believe i gave this much credit to doug walker my assumption was Oh, they must have set that up earlier, and I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> and you're they telling might me... have, but <laughs> no, they might have. I might have missed that the it, context a... for that. But we're it's gonna just leave like... it a mystery. 
No, I think they. I think it was something that like Turl dropped when he was on the ship or something. But it's just like, it's uh, just no, like okay. The the fact that you're just ending that plot with the characters finding the button and blowing it up. That's more what I'm getting. It's just like I, that's I, I know Jacob. The, the Jacob made a the thermal thing? detonator at some point. No, okay, it was set up. Jacob made the thermal detonator. Juwario tossed it into Mechakara's mouth, and he got captured before he could set it off. Oh, yeah, okay. And then, okay. That, that's so not, it does happen. They do not, set it up there. Th yeah, it's not the context. It's more just like the scene itself, just being like, oh, they just press a button and the bad guys lose. Like, what? Fucking, you made us watch all that and shit they have, for that? They do it from Sad Panda, who's just like, I have found myself a button. <laughs> Let's better <laughs> click it. <laughs> and just... God. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so let's finish okay. off the Doug plot. Okay, what else? Oh, they have a they have a new hope moment too where the house are the houses are doing like space warfare and Link Kara comes to rescue them in his spaceship that's called Comicron One. It is He's proud of that. He thinks that's I very was, serious. I Don't was make so giddy seeing that. I was like, Oh, but delighted. we also get one of my favorite scenes in the movie, which is when like the, the critics house are fighting the Turl house. Like Phalus is just like fucking like mad with power driving it around. I at least like, okay, he's kind of putting some energy in this. Thank God. I, I enjoy that. I enjoy Phalus in this movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Phalus plays the red shirt and Phalus is just, <laughs> he's sort of like me recording this right now. He's just mid psychotic episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, and he's just everyone fully... watching to boldly flee, like simultaneously yeah. at once. And it, it is really, really so, kind of a... So Doug and the critic have a conversation where it's basically like, I gave you purpose, but out here, like, you can do anything. You can be anything. And then I don't know if this is the movie they're ripping off because I haven't seen it. But then I'm pretty sure they do a scene where they rip off the Truman Show where Doug's like going to walk out in the real world and like face it. And he's like, nah, I don't think I'll do that instead. And Mati's like, how dare he? This was my master plan. How dare he ruin it? And, 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 it, and shit starts going sour. And it's... <sighs> well, yeah, we got to talk about sort of the, the setup to the scene, which is that Doug is talking to the nostalgia critic about how, you know, originally your character was this, you know, horrible, selfish, greedy, cruel person, but you've changed, you've evolved, you're becoming more of a good person. Doug <laughs> thinks he did Doug, yeah. a deep, sincere character arc. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> it's amazing. It's fucking... All right. So then the the hope of the universe, James Rolfe shows up again and outacts everyone in this movie in five seconds. <laughs> Yeah. Again. God bless you, James Rolfe. The fourth time in a row. What a, James what a Rolfe shit. just shows up, just does his, this is a fucking uh, donkey dick duty. And then you just want to like cry because he's on screen. <laughs> You're so happy. And, and, and so. They... It's also so funny to hear him read all of this like extraneous bullshit. Like I need to call the Epic Gamer to coordinate my location on the, the plot hole matrix. He's just saying all of the shit that Doug wrote. He doesn't care. He's only here out of obligation. I mean, he is. I think he is like friends with Doug, but that's also probably because they live like like Doug lives in Chicago. He lives in like Philly, so they don't really hang out that much. But like, I think like that's part of the reason why is just because like if, if 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 James had to spend his entire life with Doug like like on a weekly basis, like I I don't think anyone could be friends with him. <sighs> but so then we get to to the scene where um where the nostalgia critic dies for your sins. Um, he yeah, literally, he literally becomes a Christ-like figure. He does Matrix Revolutions. 
He yeah. does the Matrix Revolution. He, he yeah. expands the plot hole and therefore makes everything in the universe the one plot hole. And it's and and ascends and become and merges with it. And it's like like you just made yourself Doug, do you have a god complex? Is this <laughs> And and then the the day is saved and they all go home. And then there's an epilogue scene with them at a party. And it's like, oh, everything's fine now. I, I don't know what we're going to do now. I guess it's over. Like, the Age of Critics. Because Doug wanted the Age of Critics to be over. And it's... And then I want to say one last thing about this movie. The Please. ending line pisses me off. Because he it's just goes, so I am funny. the nostalgia critic. You couldn't even get the ending line right. The ending line is obviously, I am the nostalgia critic. I remembered it, so you didn't right? have to. I was that's, that's, gonna, that's what he's going to say, right? Yeah. He does yeah. it. He just, he just cuts off. He's just like, I am the nostalgia critic. And that's the end of the fucking yes. movie. Like, like if you're going to end your show and you have a line... That like is like I remembered it, so you I don't I remember it, so you don't have to. You end it and with a sense of finality, and he can't even fucking. It's insane. This movie. I would like to thank this movie. Anyway, uh, do we have any final thoughts or anything I don't else? Have any you thoughts? Talk about? I'm I'm done. I'm. <laughs> this movie took everything from me. <laughs> I I want to tell a story. Okay, so when I finished this movie for the first time, I literally fucking snapped. I went to my room, lied down on my bed, stared up at the ceiling, and started fucking laughing at myself. This movie <laughs> broke me. This, I don't know if it's the worst thing I've ever seen, but I know you can't understand this review unless you've already seen this movie, and I get that, but please don't watch this movie. You will You will not, you will be a worse person for seeing Tiboli Fee. And again, if, okay, no, if you watch this movie... Do it with a group of friends will like black out yes. drunk. Yes. Like like yeah. I do not it the watch first it alone. time we did it. Like under no circumstances should you ever be alone with one with <laughs> no, this. No, because movie. I, I had had like four to six shots of vodka when I was watching this movie and I was just like just like slurring all my speech and I was just like going like all the people in this movie should be fucking dead. <laughs> yes, just that is true. Ending. And that that is uh that is how you should watch this movie if you do but yeah you can no. also not watch it <laughs> yeah i mean yeah fuck like and i think that's the thing uh, is okay like, we, we've got to like, cut ourselves off really i'm sorry down here. we gotta wind down we have been we have been recording for this is the longest the, episode we've ever done yeah and rightfully so um so okay <sighs> look that's forward to part it. two <laughs> yeah no that's gonna do it Next time, we're going to talk about the production and the uh, hearts of darkness to this apocalypse now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. So catch you all next time. Uh, and thank you all so much for listening to us have this psychotic episode. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.